This interview and the entire Building a Story Brand podcast is brought to you by 5MinuteMarketingMakeover.com. Three five-minute videos that will revolutionize your marketing. If you're tired of looking at your website, wondering why browsers are not being converted to buyers, these three five-minute videos will help. Either spell it out or use the number, doesn't matter, 5MinuteMarketingMakeover.com. You can also text the word MAKEOVER to 72000. That's MAKEOVER to 72000, and I will send you those free videos. This episode is also brought to you by StoryBrand.com. If you want to attend a live workshop with your peers, with people who are trying to grow their business, just like you are, you can register at storybrand.com. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Building a Story Brand Podcast. JJ? Yes? It's really fun to be with you. As always, Don. Well, we've got a great interview today. We're going to be talking about content marketing. I think a mm -hmm. lot of our customers are wondering, what do they do with their website? How do they get more leads? Yeah. How do they turn those leads and convert them into buyers? All that kind of stuff. And you hear this phrase, content marketing quite a bit. What does that mean to you? For me, content marketing is this idea that a lot of people think, and we talk about this in the interview, a lot of people think if you just build a great product, people will come. Yeah. And you actually have <laughs> to market. It's the field of dreams yeah. business plan. And if you just put a picture up of a beautiful product, then everybody's just going to flock to your website automatically. Yep. They're going to be able to find it and yep. they're just going to buy it. And content marketing is really about creating content that shows people how this will improve their life, how this right. will make them better, and how this will actually be beneficial and move them forward. And there's a lot of components to it. Uh, you know, we do content marketing at StoryBrand. A lot of people wonder how our business model works. And so I think we should just reveal it right now. We basically Ooh, have... Oh, this is going to be the secret. <laughs> well, a lot of people ask, why is it that we give away so much for free yeah. at StoryBrand? You know, how to tell a story, five yeah. things your website should include, five-minute marketing makeover, all that stuff. Yeah. And the bottom line is we just want to see people's businesses grow. Yeah. When we hear stories about people's business growing, we do a toast in the office, yeah. we celebrate, <laughs> it, you know, fun. we tell each other the stories. That, that's the bottom line. And so when we, we change our hearts to say, you're not going to charge for every little thing and try to get every nickel out of everybody, uh, I think it costs us. Not only yeah. does it cost us in our business because people smell it out, but it costs us kind of in our souls. Souls, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is it like it's so, a little bit of your soul dies yeah. a little bit. I mean, obviously, we do want people to come and kind of get the full experience, but if people can get something out of these podcasts, out of those free resources, and they make their business better, we celebrate. People are often afraid to give stuff away. Right. You know, right? We have a product. We don't want to give stuff away. So how do we sell? And we actually talk about this in the interview of what is it that you give away what is it that you keep and sell kind of behind the curtain a little bit but what's interesting about this is this actually comes uh, again i i get a little geeky about some yeah. stuff but this there's a philosopher and kind of a communications guy named martin buber and he developed this theory kind of the i thou versus the i it and the idea mm -hmm. is it's about relationships with people how we interact with people and he tries to move people from i it meaning that we treat people as objects and it's something that we get from them and this is often how advertising is viewed is that we're trying to get something from right. the people and he wants to move to the idea of the i thou that the person we're communicating with is actually a person and we connect with them and it's a relationship he helps people see people as individuals not as commodities and i think that's you know he's preventing boober is preventing us from making a mistake cuz a lot of people yeah. will listen to us and say i don't want to manipulate my customers i don't want to hard sell i don't want to do all that kind of stuff 
they don't want that either, yeah. right? Yep. That only happens when we see these people as it's to extract value from yeah. rather than humans to give value to. Yeah, the I-thou principle of yeah. understanding that. Yeah. Well, what I love about our interview is it's a gentleman named Brian Clark. And yep. Brian is the CEO of Copyblogger. <laughs> and he, he understands and genuinely treats every customer like a human being that he wants to get to know. He's just yeah. a social, relatable yeah. relationship guy. He was a lawyer, then he went into real estate, and then he started Copyblogger, and it's a $10 million plus year <laughs> yeah. business uh, doing fantastic stuff. And he, he's built this entire business by giving away free content. Yeah. And then if somebody wants a little more, they can pay for it in different yep. ways. But he gives away most of the store for free. Interview topics that you're going to hear are, as JJ mentioned, what do you give away? What do you charge for? And how do you build trust with yeah. your customers? He talks about empathy, like yeah. how you understand and want to understand your customer, know your customer and what they're feeling. This interview is so practical. It's probably one that people will want to maybe listen to while they're in their car and then go back to their desk and just take notes. Yeah, listen to it again and yeah, take notes. Yeah, because there's such practical things that he has. And bottom line, JJ, is marketing is changing. The yeah. old methods don't work. And for a lot of people, they just want to put their head in the sand and say, no, I'm going to keep doing it the way I'm doing it. You know, yeah. It's a great way to kill your business. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing you want to do with this interview, just listen to it, see if there's anything that you can apply, and slowly evolve, slowly move into the modern age of marketing. It is not difficult. We can teach you how to do it. This interview is a great place to yep. start. Here's my interview with Brian Clark, CEO of copyblogger.com. You were really sort of a pioneer in what's become known as the content marketing space. So rather than kind of selling people, you know, this is why you need this soap, buy our soap, our soap is on sale. You come in and you gave a bunch of content uh, that sort of, you know, orbited the product that you were trying to sell. But it was really more about giving people a lot of value whether or not they buy the product. Is that right? I mean, am, am I framing that correctly in the pioneer days of this stuff? Yeah. In, in the simplest terms, it's giving away information, valuable information, you know, often stuff that's good enough to be in a book or, or mm -hmm. in some sort of paid format uh, that addresses people's initial problems or desires uh, in a way that brings them closer to you so that the ultimate solution of a product or service becomes a logical next step and you're the person to do business with, the old no like, and trust. But you'll love this part of it, close to your heart, is really what you're doing is telling a story over time. And that story is uh, the story of your products and services and of your brand. It's just with content, you're not ramming it down someone's throat like a sales letter. It's more of this media approach where they're uh, gaining more and more uh, valuable information over time with you. And then again, it, it's just an amazing catalyst for people wanting to choose you to do business with, even if someone else is selling something similar. Right. And it, I think it's a bit counterintuitive. It, it isn't counterintuitive for me anymore, but I've been doing this for a few years. But I remember when I first started, I just thought, why aren't we selling? Like, why aren't we selling something? Why are we giving everything away? Why are we doing this? And that it took probably two years for me to really turn a corner and not honestly care that much whether somebody bought something. I mean, we tweak our our emails where we do a strong ask a little bit to get a better response, those sorts of things. 
But I just want people to understand, you know, what we're trying to communicate and try to help them. And the sales just come. Were you like that from the beginning or were you more strategic where you said, if I give away some free stuff? In other words, did you happen upon this content marketing idea by accident or was it strategic? I think it was an accidental discovery of a of a strategy uh, based on generosity. And I know what you're talking about because I started doing this in the late 90s. And when, you know, I was an attorney and then I started a couple of real estate brokerages and people in those fields, uh, especially, and they're licensed professionals. That's what killed me. But they're like, I can't give stuff away. They'll, they don't need me then. I'm like, you are licensed by the court and by the state <laughs> to help people with problems they can't fix themselves. So it, it was really funny to see that kind of attitude. But to me, it made sense uh, because of a book I read in 1999 called Permission Marketing. I consider it basically the Bible of what we do with online marketing in that the internet is a direct medium. We can interact directly with people as opposed to going through intermediaries. And the best way to do that in 99 and in 2015 is email. Getting someone on an email list is still the uh, the ultimate sales channel beats social media like 40 times, not 40%, 40 times as effective. But yeah, Godin, you know, he was a uh, he was a direct marketer back in the day offline, and he was smart enough to realize that you don't buy a, a list like a mailing list, you, which you can do offline. You have to earn permission to contact people over time. And how do you do that? Well, you create content. So. When I left my big law firm job and just kind of threw my life down the drain, according to my parents and friends, <laughs> I, you know, I, I wanted to write. I wanted to create content, as it's known now. And at the time, everyone was doing that by email. So I naturally gravitated to the idea of building an audience with content by email. What I didn't understand anything about was marketing or business. I was a liberal arts major with a law degree. And then first marketing book I ever read was, was Godin's Permission Marketing. I was like, oh, I need something to sell. This is a direct marketing <laughs> medium. I got it. So uh, the only thing I had to sell were my legal services at the time, which I grudgingly did. And that was my first entrepreneurial success. And that's kind of when I figured out I was uh, an entrepreneur who could write as opposed to a pure writer. I love that you got your start as, as a lawyer selling legal services because that's not – typically what anybody would think of as an online business, right? I mean, that's not an e-course oh, no. or an e-book yeah. or any of that or, or consulting. Okay, let me get practical with you a little bit. Let's say you're sitting down with, a, let's just say it's a financial advisor and they have a website and they want to enter into the digital space. And you know, this is going to be a two-year on-ramping for them to figure this out. What's the first piece of advice that you would give them? Yeah, who are you? Who are you trying to reach? Just um, understanding your customers specifically. Customer. Yeah, it, it, that's always the starting point. Pre-internet, post-internet, it's also the thing that people either make assumptions about, or uh, you know, they just they just gloss right over that part. And I'm like, that's where the battle is won or lost. It how really bad, is. How bad is it to assume that we know who our market is? It, it's terrible. The worst yeah. thing we do is assume that people are like us when you know, in many cases, they're not at all. Uh, and yet we're still trying to find that connection between who we are uh, as people and the people we're trying to serve because online is a very personable, uh, interactive space in that people want to know who the real people are and, and content is a great way to let that shine. 
Um, let me let me make a aside here. Um, I was going to send you this last week, but I didn't get around to it. So I got to tell you now, unsolicited story mm-hmm. brand testimonial. So as you and I discussed, you know, since 2007, I've been using Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero's Journey to try Fantastic to- Fantastic book. Teach, you know, everything from copywriting to content marketing because it works so well. It is a buying journey, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I attended the Story Brand Workshop and I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, this is good. He and I are on the same page. But I have to tell you that your process, the clarity of the Story Brand process is amazing. And I actually used it last week. We have an, a, a launch coming up in the fall. And, you know, I've done a bunch of these and I eventually get there, but it's usually a messy, chaotic thing. I map that whole thing out in less than an hour. Yes, that's the point. I am so happy with you right now because <laughs> you're making my life easier. So anyway, no I'm one paid me nothing to say that. I am I am thrilled. I'm Well, I'm grateful. Coming from you, that means an awful lot. I wish I could take credit for the process. It's roughly 2,000 years old. I think it's been sitting under our noses <laughs> yeah, the entire you, time. You I think teach it very well, and, and that is more than half the battle. Well, I'm, I'm glad. And you obviously get it because the, the way a story starts and the way we want to uh, operate our business and our communication is first by not telling our story. This is the big paradigm shift in story brand. You don't need to tell your story. Yes, your story is important. There is a place for it. But what you really need to understand is your customer's story. Who are they? And if we think we know that and we haven't bothered to even find out or verify that we know that we're really making a huge mistake, we assume things and we uh, we are wrong. And so uh, what? How does, a, how does our friend, the financial advisor, let's call him Ted, Ted the Fed, Ted the financial advisor, he's trying to figure out who his customer is. Do we do a survey? What's the what's the basic? And I realize you are the in-depth guru that uh, is going to get us all the way through. But if you're just having coffee with somebody saying, here's a piece of advice, is it is it a survey to find out who they are? Is that the first step? Oh, it's interesting. Um, yeah, surveying existing and past customers is something that people often overlook. Start with who you've dealt with as opposed to going out and hunting and gathering, which, uh, you know, you should be selling more to your existing customers as a matter of course. So why not start talking to them first? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a process that uh, we've been talking about recently called empathy mapping. I I don't know if you're familiar with this. No, please. So it's basically a process where you, you put up a big piece of paper or a whiteboard or something, and then you've got these different quadrants related to I think it's thinking, feeling, seeing, you know, and it's it's a way to get inside uh, your customer's head, you know. So you you understand buyer personas and all this, but this right. is a step before that when you're really just trying to understand, you know, who are they? Walk a mile in their shoes instead of you know, talk, like you say, uh, the customer's the hero, you're the guide, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course. So how do you guide someone you don't understand? You've got to get all Clinton-esque on them and and feel their pain. Feel their right? pain. Right? And then empathy mapping is a way to develop avatars or personas or however you want to talk about it. But it's never uh, a bad idea to never lose sight that we're talking about real people here, not yeah. avatars or personas. I mean, people. And, and, and there's something about – uh, the internal fear that the customer is experiencing that you as a brand are trying to resolve. And unless we can name that internal fear, we cannot offer to resolve it and they're not going to be interested in our products and services. 
So it's, so is empathy mapping partly figuring out what their problem is and what they're afraid of and what the frustration is they're feeling and then aiming on some of our, our content marketing at resolving some of that for them? Is that what the point is? Absolutely. So it, it's, it's their perception of the problem or desire. And then the next step, and there's another form of mapping called customer experience mapping. And the uh, seeing, doing, feeling aspects are almost identical. So you take uh, the person whose shoes you now can walk in, and then you walk the, the journey. You walk the path between the realization that they have a problem or desire and your solution coming at the end. It's very useful for, as you said, uh, dispensing with your preconceptions yeah. because you'll you'll dig into it and instead of assuming you'll go oh man this is why we lose people at this stage because we've got no meaningful touch point you know at, at this part of the journey we we need to provide motivation here or we need to provide education right. at this point you know and you I, you concretely identify these things as opposed to guessing which is how most marketing works yeah well, you know, it, it was counterintuitive to me. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an introvert by nature, and yet I also have the entertainment gene, if you will. So I spent the majority of my career alone on an island in a cabin writing a book for millions of people, right? So then I go into business, and I think, well, I can just broadcast to millions of people, and they'll come by for me. I never have to get to know them. Really the wrong model. I mean, it, it's so counterintuitive to know that I can sit down and have coffee with my customers, pay attention to the chat rooms on different online products. Uh, email surveys and really get to know them individually on a small basis, adjust my marketing and my content in such a way to resolve some of their problems. And the thing just begins to grow. What I love about what you're talking about, Brian, it's a natural force that brings out the best in us as business people. We actually have to care about the people that we're talking to and try to resolve their problems or you're just not rewarded. And in the old days, I think you could do an infomercial and not care and take the money and run, but it's just not that way anymore in the online. And so this is policing the worst of our natures and bringing out the better angels of our natures, which I think, you know, makes us better people, uh, better business leaders. And so I, I love this fact that empathy matters so much and getting to know our customers matters so much. Okay, let me ask you this, and I'm just going to ask you for maybe a couple more practical pieces of advice. Get to know your customers. Okay, so then Ted, the financial advisor, he wants to begin interacting with folks and begin content marketing. Every website that comes through a uh, story brand that we see on their website, there it says, sign up for my newsletter. We say, get rid of it. Nobody's signing up anyway. You need something else to offer them in exchange for an email address. Can you give me an example or a few examples of some of the best practices you've used or seen to accumulate email addresses? Yeah, that is an excellent question and something we think about a lot because, you know, again, uh, if anyone tells you that email is not important anymore, run away from them very <laughs> quickly. But you're right. Uh, the, the practices and standards of the online person uh, is much less trusting than they were in 98 when people would sign up almost for anything. It's interesting to me because back in my real estate days, I took an approach that used a free course as a way to get someone to sign up on email, uh, an email list. And I segmented them by who they were, such as a first-time home buyer or a relocating buyer or, or whatever the case may be. And that was 2002. Wow. And that's exactly what we're doing now. <laughs> right. <laughs> that our technology is better and more sophisticated. Now we have marketing automation and we've got, you know, membership uh, capabilities and all this cool stuff. But 
basically, you're right. Uh, in 2013, we switched away from, you know, here's our free autoresponder course and uh, email newsletter. And uh, then we switched to a, a content library concept. It, it's like a free member area. You don't have to pay money. You have to register. And then, of course, when you register, you provide your email address. And we developed like 16 different ebooks, but they were all from past content, which is the beautiful thing about creating content over time. Uh, sooner or later, you have a lot of assets that you can update, repurpose, all that kind of thing. So anyway, we upped the value proposition, but we also changed the context. Instead of an opt-in subscription, it was register and access. And my hypothesis on this was that social media and apps had changed the way we see value online. That when we see value, even if we don't have to pay for it, we'll register for it. And that is has become the norm. Anyway, we did it. And our email opt-in rate went up 400%. Wow. There was even a case study done on it. It was so remarkable. Wow. So, so we did the same thing uh, with a, uh, an online course instead of an ebook library for our Rainmaker platform. And I just did it again on a, a side project of mine called Unemployable. This begs a second question or another question, and it's this. Brian, what is something that needs to go on the other side of the paywall? always, that you would never give this away for free? In other words, what is the threshold for you where you say, this is what you're going to have to pay for because it just costs us too much to do it or whatever, or it's just too much valuable information. You know, I've spent 15 years studying this. I'm not just going to give that away. What is it for you? For instance, is community on the other side of the paywall? Is, uh, you know, what kind of intellectual property is always going to be on the other side of the paywall? Do you have that intuitively or is there a philosophy that you hold to? The, the general rule of thumb there, and again, it depends on what you're selling. So we're a we're a software and training company. So we have to play. If we were just a software company, we could give away the whole farm for free, and you still wouldn't want to do that because people value things they pay for ultimately more than things they get for free. General rule of thumb: if if you're mixing free content with paid content. You know, you tell them the why for free and you tell them the how for paid. You know, that, so that's, that's a, a great, general That's a great thumb. way to divide I will that. send you an article we have that's exactly on this point. Um, and you can share it in the show notes if you'd like. Uh, Chris Garrett actually wrote it in our company. But it, it's basically called what to give away for free and what to charge for. So it's it's on point and it's a little more in-depth than, than I gave for that. Um, but here's the other thing, and, I, and you kind of touched on it. Because back in 2007, when we were teaching people about creating online training uh, and kind of predicting that the online education boom was coming uh, at a time when everyone thought everything was going to be free forever, which was ridiculous, but right. it mm -hmm. happened. Anyway, um, there's got to be something more than information. And again, this is a word I used earlier uh, with the concept of our our big increase in email list building capabilities was access, access to a private member area. Maybe there's a forum in there. Maybe there's a way to interact with a person such as yourself who is uh, important and busy and uh, has incredible value to deliver. So therefore, if you would like to have access to Donald Miller on some level other than coming over his house, uh, to drink whiskey. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's uh, free. That's free, by the way. 
But you know what I'm saying. So yeah, exactly. There's some, but beyond, uh, say, we've got Story Brand as an online course. Beyond the the content and the process, which are great, uh, there's an aspect of access to you. Maybe that's Q and A sessions twice a month. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a bonus webinar. Maybe that's a forum or a private list where like-minded people, because if you build that true community and it's not just about Donald anymore, people will stay for the other people. Yeah. And we've seen it over and over again. So community is not a buzzword that's meaningless. It's a real thing. Yeah. And it's real value. I mean, I I was amazed when we started doing surveys after StoryBrand and what people liked, what they wanted us to improve on, what we needed to work on. The thing that people liked the most was community, and they thought the teaching was great and the process was great, the framework was great. They loved being in a room with other business leaders in their position. And then I said, well, what do you need us to work on more? And they said, community. So they loved the community and they wanted more <laughs> but community. you could do better. Yeah, right? you, could, yeah, yeah. They, you can't give enough uh, community. The, the exclusivity of it, but also the, the hidden value, because you and I know that, you know, say you go to a business conference, the value happens in the hallway or for right. some people at right. the bar. Because it's relationships and and collaboration and deals and all that kind of great stuff. Now, but we're there for the content as an initial catalyst. That gets right. you through the door. And then people stay for relationships. It's not an unknown model. I mean, think about a nightclub. People don't pay for the music and the drinks. They pay for the other people in the room, right? They pay to yeah. go there and see folks, see old friends, meet new people. It's the same sort of thing in this. Uh, Brian, let me ask you this. We, we've, got, uh, we've, we've got a few steps here. One, know who your customer is. Give them something of value for free, uh, you know, and give them the why before the paywall, the how after the paywall. Incredibly great stuff. It doesn't have to be as complicated as an online uh, course or workshop. I remember somebody sat me down years ago and said, Don, do you realize you're the guy on story? Like when people talk about story, they're talking about you now. I had no idea. I'd been speaking about story for years, but that's just because I geek out on story. And I also noticed that a bunch of competitors kind of in my realm we're starting to talk about story and business. And this really frustrated me because they didn't know what they were talking about. They hadn't written screenplays. They hadn't written books. Yeah. They hardly even written business. Isn't it ironic that uh, the oldest form of communication among humans became a business buzzword like it was a new thing? <laughs> I, I just shake my brand head new thing. all the time. Well, know? I'm grateful for it because I love talking about business. I yeah, love talking about you. story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what I did was I sat down and I just wrote a PDF called How to Tell a Story. So I put this PDF online. I think 40,000 people downloaded it within the first few weeks. I mean, it was just crazy. And all those competitors died away because they realized pretty quickly, Don's going to own this space. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just using a buzzword. And I took it. And I think without having a free offering in exchange for an email address, I couldn't have done that. And so one of the things that anybody listening to this can do, what are you an expert at? What are you good at? What territory do you want to stake a claim for? Write a PDF positioning yourself as an expert, give it away for free in exchange for an email address, and you're killing a bunch of birds with one stone. Here's the final thing that, you know, because I, I people hear you and, and then they do that, but there's one more thing, and this is where you get a little more strategic in how you present that expertise and information. Sometimes just creating the authority does the job, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, no like and trust, likable expert, that kind of thing. But you have to remember that your content is a catalyst for your ultimate business objective. So in terms, let's let's use you as an example, because I'm pretty sure you did a good job of this. In addition to positioning you as the story guy, how did that PDF 
also lead to the next step toward your business objective, which mm. I would imagine was story brand workshops and the various, because you do a lot of really high profile corporate gigs and that had to help. Oh no, it helped a lot. Yeah. So, so think about it in those terms. And to some people they're like, oh, well, of course, but I see people mess up there all the time. They actually build an audience and yet they don't convert them into the ultimate goal, which is someone's got to buy something at some point. Yeah. Remember, uh, yeah. you said you'd like to you'd like to take equity in all these different web companies, and <laughs> then right. you just go in and put a buy now button on. That's the right. Side. <laughs> That's right. I love that. As a I want to <laughs> sign a. I want to want you to sign a contract. You'll give me ten percent ownership of your business if I can double your business within twelve months. And if they sign that contract, I say put a buy now button on your website and write me a check because you're not asking anybody for the sale. That's right. Yeah. That's one of the one of the key paradigm shifts in the whole framework. Okay, two questions before we end. Take me to the lowest moment in your business life, in your career. In your, this is when you went, it can't get any worse. Do you have that? Is that memory still fresh in your brain? I want to open up a wound here, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't even have to think about that one. So by 2005, I was running two real estate brokerages in different niches. Uh, again, they were virtual. Uh, I was amazing at marketing and a pretty terrible manager in the sense that I made sure that clients were always happy and nothing fell through the cracks. But how did I do that? I did everything myself. You know, I would not delegate um too central. It's such a common story and, and it happened to me. Um, and I still technically had uh, the law practice going for a couple of clients. And, you know, so I was working really, really hard. Yeah. I had a young daughter. I had uh, another one on the, a boy on the way. And I went on a, uh, a, a snowboarding trip. I know this sounds like I'm going off on a tangent, but uh you know, my wife is seven months pregnant. It's about to get even worse. I need a break. So I go snowboarding. Long story short, I wipe out, hit my head. Uh, wow. And uh, a couple months later, after uh, splitting headaches um, and, and like an idiot, I don't go to the doctor until, you know, I start hallucinating. Um, turns out I had a subdural hematoma. I was about an hour away from death. I had emergency brain surgery. And I woke up from surgery, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was like a, a moment of enlightenment in the sense that I realized I wasn't happy, but I told myself I should be running those very, in my mind, practical businesses because they were safe and I had a family and I was successful and I was making good money. So therefore, I should not do what I really wanted to do, which was do what I'm good at, content, marketing, strategy, and then get other people to do things. And plus, I wanted to develop a model that was completely online. So I woke up and I just had this epiphany that I will never do something just for money again. Wow. So I, yeah, that's, that's huge. That's so And then huge. of course, I'm, I went on to, to have the most success in my career by, I don't, you know, 20 times, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, it's amazing, but when you really give yourself the permission to actually live the life you want to live, you know, that doesn't mean you're throwing your family under the bus. 
I mean, wouldn't they, your kids rather have a happy daddy than someone who just paid the bills and was upset all the time? Right, <laughs> right. Um, that was the lowest and, and greatest moment, I guess, of my life. And it's been not only more lucrative going forward, but, you know, happiness, everything's better because I learned to do what I'm good at and let other people do what they're good at. I love that. I just talked to a guy yesterday who he's wealthy, he's doing great, and he, he's proud of the fact that he hasn't ever made any more money than he made in 2007. And I thought, you're kidding me. You know what? How, how have you not made more money? And he said, I don't want to. If we get more money, my wife and I take an extra month off. <laughs> we, we just, we, yeah. we're, we're buying a happy life. I hope I can get to that point. I mean, I have this crazy level of ambition that has nothing yeah, to do with me money. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, and then I do, and because I am so uh, just wired into at this point, always serving the needs of the audience, it always makes money, you know, yeah. but that's no, not why you do it. it. And that's, that is the hardest thing to explain to anyone, any hard nosed business type. They're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but well, there's, there, there's all these studies on this point that, you know, after you make about 75 grand money has been proven not to contribute anymore to your sense of happiness. It doesn't necessarily take away from it, but it can't contribute to it. My wife and I, talked about that recently and we decided um, we live off about 20% of what we make. The rest goes into a fund and we just, and it's not that we give it away. We're going to buy things that, uh, that we want, but we, we, we refer to our business now as fundraising, that this is fundraising to buy a really quality life, not just for us, but for a lot of people. Yeah. We love hospitality. So in the, in the first year of our marriage, we had 120 overnight guests one of the things we did with the extra money, we just bought the house next door. We wanted six more bedrooms that we could have people over. You know, th that's different than the old American dream. I think people are starting to realize, look, affluence makes so many people miserable. Why not buy a quality life? But I'm with you. I'm so ambitious that if we haven't grown year over year, I don't I would freak out, right? <laughs> the thing just has to grow. Or it's yeah, gonna drive I, crazy. but at least you're doing it for the right reasons, you know? And I, I love the fundraising thing. Yeah, that's, that's a fundraising good for a beautiful life that helps a lot of people. And so I know that you, you share that heart. Okay, final question, then I'm going to let you go. And I'm so grateful that you gave us your time this afternoon. I know you got a lot going on best business advice you've ever been given. And of course, that goes right into life advice, right? Because we are our businesses. They come out of our core. Best advice you've ever been given. Another good question. And I, I think I have a, another immediate answer to that one. It wasn't advice. It was observing behavior of business people that, uh, again, back when I was in my 20s and practicing law in a, a big law firm, um, I had no business really exposure. I mean, I'm the adopted son of a truck driver. Um, you know, first one in my family to go to college. I put myself through law school. So I was just kind of naive. And we have this stereotype about how business is cutthroat, you know, the Gordon Gecko kind of right. Uh, yeah, 80s, 1980s, right? 1990s. Yeah. yeah. So when I got exposed to the law firm's um, transactional clients, you know, basically we're helping them put together a deal. I was struck by instead of being ruthless and trying to screw the other guy, they were constantly trying to give the other side the best deal they possibly could while still meeting their own objectives. Hmm. And I think my business philosophy was rooted right there. And then you go on and you read something like Permission Marketing and Seth is basically saying, yeah, you know, it's always about giving more to the other person. So that has fueled my approach to customers, clients, Love partners, collaborators, 
That's the secret. If you do that, you will get what you want. I think mm -hmm. Zig Ziglar said something to that effect a long time ago. You know, the way to get what you want is to give other people what they want. I love it. I love under promise over deliver. Uh, you know, that's just a mantra around here. Surprise them with extra that they weren't expecting. Brian, I am uh, inspired by you. I've been informed by you. We loved having you at the workshop. You taught us so much. Uh, people can find out more about you at Copyblogger, but I really love this unemployable.com, the stuff that you're doing there. Everybody check that out. Brian, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Loved it. If you've been listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast for a while, you're probably wondering what's next. You've probably sat around thinking, you know, I've got to bring my marketing into this next evolution. I've got to clean up the clutter and see a better response from customers. If you want to get started for free, just go to 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. You can either spell it out or use the number. doesn't matter. 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. I will give you three five-minute videos that if you just execute what I say in those videos, you will definitely see results. It is the best place to start. 5minutemarketingmakeover.com This segment on the Building a Story Brand podcast is called How'd They Do It, where we talk to Story Brand alumni about extreme success that they achieved after attending the Story Brand workshop and get from them the very practical tips that you can apply to your marketing collateral so that you can see a difference JJ, I really like this guy. He's oh, got a great story. I, I love it, and I'm excited for people to hear it, but the best thing about what drew us to this specifically, besides the fact that we like him, is I do a lot of coaching. Yep. I help a lot of people after yep. they've been through the process and help them apply what they learned this is probably the best website that I've seen. He I mean, executed it well. Yes. He has taken the things that he learned from StoryBrand and applied them so practically to his right. website and seen an uptick. And there's a kind of a twist to the story. A weird yeah. Uptick. Yeah. <laughs> well, his name is Chip James. He's a real estate guy in southwestern Ohio, or he was. Yep. There's a twist to the story dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that you're going to have to pay attention to find out. His website is danielchipjames.com. And, you know, we have a lot of people come through StoryBrand, about 50 businesses every month, plus uh, I don't know how many hundreds of the online portal, lots of private workshops where people either bring in you or me yep. just to work with their staff. Yeah. And we see execution uh, and we see differences that happen, but rarely do we see somebody who just goes back and does the hard work and nail it all. Yeah. And they get paid when they do it. I mean, yep. you execute the stuff and they get paid uh, because it works. Well, Chip has executed it perfectly. I'm going to call him and we'll go through his website. I'll tell you what he's doing that's working. You can go look at it yourself, danielchipjames.com. And, uh, and we'll talk about what he did and what you can do to see the same kind of dramatic results. Hello. Chip. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's Don Miller with Building a Story Brand. How are you? I'm doing great, Don. How are you? I'm wonderful, man. Hey, I'm looking at your website, danielchipjames.com, and I wish everybody who came through the Story Brand Workshop executed as perfectly as you executed this. You have a fantastic website. Well, thank you. Uh, that... <laughs> It kind of makes me laugh because it means a great deal to me, Don. So I really appreciate that. Well, I'm serious. I mean, it's just one of the best. You you obviously cut down a lot of the clutter. You use really great images that come from the success bucket. It's obvious what button I'm supposed to press when I go to the website. You pass the grunt test, which means within five seconds, I can know what you offer, uh, how it's going to make my life better, and what I need to do to buy it. You just keep moving on as I scroll down the page. You use a plan that's really easy to understand. 
You have testimonials that make me trust you. And it's all just super, super easy to navigate. Fantastic job. Tell me, what was life like before you came to StoryBrand? Before I I came to StoryBrand, I I think I was just like most of the realtors in the country where we have this feeling that you can't do it without us. And and therefore, we kind of become the hero in our mind. And I felt Mm. that way, honestly, before I ever heard you talk about who the hero really should be. And, and so all of our marketing and our websites are trying to convince people how great we are. Yeah. And it was an aha moment. It was a big shift for me when I first heard you on a podcast last summer say that that's completely backwards and that your, your client is, is the hero. And my wife and I were riding in the car listening to the podcast and I literally just looked at her and said, that's revolutionary in the world of real estate. Yeah. And it makes you stand out. I mean, you know, I go to your website and you say, we help you buy and sell great homes in Southwest Ohio. That's exactly what you do. And helping both buyers and sellers love where they live. So it's all customer centric. You're going to help me live a better life by helping me either buy or sell my home. You don't say my grandfather started the company or we believe in this or we've won so many awards. I mean, you can say that as you scroll down the page, but instead you focus on exactly what my story is. And, you know, the, the lesson there, Chip, is that everybody wakes up the hero in their own story. And when you acknowledge that rather than compete with their ego, you just do better business. Yeah, I agree. Tell me this. You've got something that I, I would love for a lot of the people listening to apply to their marketing. You've got what we call a transitional call to action. That is, if I go to your website, I see a little button that says top three buyer mistakes. Is that a PDF if I download it? You know, I'd, I'd like to get to that point where my site has a, a little bit more integration with where someone has to put in an email address and then I email them a PDF. But right now, just having sort of launched the site, I, I'm kind of just giving away my transitional calls to action yeah. in, hopes that, in hopes that they appreciate it and, and maybe that helps them click um, hire us at some point. Well, it's great stuff. I, I just clicked on it myself, and you're just giving away great free content, which establishes trust. It positions you as the guide. It creates reciprocity, making people want to buy from you. Whether you're, you're taking an email address or not, it has an enormous amount of power. Well, you put together this website. It's you know helping people buy and sell homes in Southwest Ohio, and then you moved to Florida. What happened? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I was uh, fresh out of the Story Brand Conference, and I uh, took a, a winter vacation with my family down to Naples, Florida, which is probably one of the top five uh, most uh, exclusive or expensive real estate markets in the country. And uh, was playing tennis with a top agent in town, and was talking about our businesses, you know, similarities and differences. And she told me. Um, what type of a producer she was, and my jaw hit the hit the tennis court. And uh, I asked her how much traffic she gets from um, web materials, specifically her website. And she kind of sheepishly said, "I don't really even have a website." Wow. <laughs> you're, you're, so you're talking about an agent who was recently named in the top twenty of individual agents in the country. Wow. She, she does not have some great big team of agents that sell for her. It's literally just her. And uh, she didn't even have a website. What sort of revenue is she doing every year? So upwards in the $200 million range of sales. $200 million um, in sales per year. $200 million. And, and so my pitch to her, and I wasn't really looking to make a change, but I was intrigued by this potential opportunity was, 
you know, through these things that I just recently learned in Nashville, <laughs> I, I literally think I could double your business if you, if you wanted wow. to. Wow. And I believe it. I mean, you have executed this so well. Was she drawn to that? Did she look at your website and say, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. There's something different about him. Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely played in my favor. And and while she doesn't necessarily want to double her business, because that's daunting in, in some ways with the amount of work it could be, um, we definitely, and, and she specifically definitely sees the value in standing out from what has become a very competitive market. Wow. Well, I think you're going to execute really well for her, just like you did for yourself. This is a fun story brand success story because it doesn't involve your business exploding. It involves you just doing the story brand process and immediately being seen by a big giant fish yep. Yep. <laughs> and getting eaten up. That's a huge career move for you. I'm excited for you. Are you adjusting well from Ohio to Florida? That's got to be a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. My family has vacationed here for about a decade and, and we've always had it in the back of our mind. And uh, we just, you know, we, we made the leap. So we've got three kids and, and one on the way. So it's definitely a big move, but yeah, uh, we're excited. So, Well, Chip, I'm excited for you and congratulations on all your success. To everybody listening, if you want to see a website that is done exceptionally well, go to danielchipjames.com. And you'll see the StoryBrand framework executed perfectly by a StoryBrand alumni. And, of course, his career is seeing dramatic results because of it. Chip, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for giving our listeners tips on how to do better and build their own companies. Thank you so much. And, obviously, I wish you and your team continued success. You guys are amazing to work with. If you want to see results like Chip, I've got some free help for you. Just go to 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. You can spell it out or use the number 5minutemarketingmakeover.com and I'll show you three five-minute videos that will dramatically improve your marketing. You can also text the word MAKEOVER to 72000. That's MAKEOVER to 72000 and I'll send you those videos right away. Also, make plans to join us in Nashville, Tennessee for our live workshop. That's the workshop that Chip went to that revolutionized everything for him. You can register at storybrand.com. This podcast exists, as always, to help you clarify your message and grow your business. Music from the episode is from the album Black Bear by Andrew Bell, which you can listen to on Spotify or download on iTunes. On behalf of the entire StoryBrand team, thanks for listening.